Welcome to the Power Five Cast. I'm Jacob Doyle, and I am here with Joe Berger and Bobby Berger. Our aim today, we're going to provide an update with the coronavirus, COVID-19, everything going on with college football. There have been some updates with players either coming back to campus or when they could start maybe doing some more individual workouts again. We're, we're going to talk about potential scheduling problems, you know, what's going to happen with, with the season here, and we have a lot of topics to discuss. Before we get into all of that, though, I was going to bring in the guys. Uh, Joe Berger, we haven't talked to you for a little while. I, you know, you're in Florida right now. It sounds like you've been kind of hunkered down there for the last three and a half weeks. Are you into UFC, NASCAR, got a little bit of golf, anything like that interests you? Or are you still just waiting around for college football? What's up with you in the uh, sports world there? Jake, it's good to hear your voice back in the pod. I haven't been on in a while. It definitely feels good. But unfortunately, no, I am not a UFC guy. I'm not a NASCAR guy. I haven't really tuned into any of the sports. Um, I'm just eagerly checking Twitter and going through the internet each day, staying up on what's happening in college football, knowing how I got to prepare myself and look at those season over under win totals. So that's kind of the biggest concern. You got to always keep your priorities straight. And mine is always college football. How I wanted to ask you, how does this impact you? No spring and, and nothing, no updates to this point. When you are going through your team previews and, and kind of looking at rosters and stuff for 2020, how do you make, you know, just as somebody who played, how important is it year over year making those kind of improvements? What, what are these players going to lose by not having this time, I guess is what I'm asking. And how does that impact, you know, are, are more veteran teams going to be at the top for you? First year coaches, do you worry about that kind of thing? How are you approaching this just overall? Yeah, I, you you bring it up, a you know, a really good point. I don't know if I have a great answer for you. I do know that the players that are younger, so you're talking your redshirt freshmen that are really talented that may, or your, yeah, your redshirt freshmen that are really talented, your freshmen that enrolled early, those are the guys that are going to show a lack of development in this year. Whereas Darren Lee came in who ended up being a first round draft pick at Ohio State. He was not close to being ready his first year. Redshirted that year, got his body right, had a great winter, had a great spring. All of a sudden, Two years later, he's the number one draft pick. He was an awesome his sophomore year. So it's guys like that that you that are really going to get hurt. And so that's one of the things that I'm kind of weighing. Like you said, hey, is it is it better to take a team that has a bunch of fourth, fourth and fifth year guys that you know maybe aren't as crazy talented as you know some of the schools with more higher potential? I don't know. Um, so I'm still kind of working through that. And I think as we get more and more information, we'll start to develop a better plan there. Yeah, we'll get into, we're going to talk about our team preview series and everything we're going to be doing for that as the summer goes on. Bobby Berger, you were on last podcast we did. It was the two-part draft preview. So I wanted to ask you, how do you think we did with our coverage? Any hits, any misses, anything you would do differently, you know, as, as we go into next year when we're breaking that stuff down? Jake, that was a blast. Uh, I think we both did pretty good. I know the picks I posted on Twitter, we were up about five to six units. Um, Andrew Thomas being the first line selected was a big one for us. Um Jalen Hurts, I was high in him. Uh, that that was uh, at least getting selected higher than the spot. That was a big one for us. Um, the team that messed us up was, of course, the freaking Oakland Raiders, which I don't know about you, Jake, what your thoughts were and what they did, but um, you almost need to count on just them making a dumb decision every single year. With Ruggs? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, with Ruggs, and they didn't pick C.D. Lamb, which is just absolutely baffling. Hey, you, you're you the one who was questioning his passion and wondering I, well, if maybe that was the right fit for the Raiders. Well, so maybe I, they I listened to the podcast and, and they, they took All a different right. route. 
It's unbelievable. I mean, how do they not take Jerry Judy there, right? Like, you watch <laughs> Alabama games. Like, did you actually watch the games? Like, Henry Ruggs was like the third or fourth best receiver on the team. I know he's fast. There's a lot of NFL guys who are super fast and never make it. It's a long laundry list. It's just stupid, stupid drafting. Sorry, I just got I mean, they get obviously out watch Alabama there, but. They, they took Jacobs the year before, so they, they clearly seem like they're aware. Yeah, that was funny, though, on draft night, because there were certain guys that we talked about, too, where it was like Antonio Gibson in the mock draft I looked at, undrafted, and all of a sudden he's going at like the top of the third round, and like Van Jefferson was a guy we both liked, and A.J. Dillon goes way, and it was like, holy cow, we talked about some of these guys as like third day, and they're just flying off the board. And yeah, you talked about as you nailed the Andrew Thomas thing. So yeah, that was a lot of yeah. fun. I thought. It's, it's like none of these guys play daily fantasy football in college, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Bob. So we're going to get into, we've got some topics that we're going to lean on you for some of this research that you did uh, as, as we get into the, the show here. It's going to be just straight up. How can we play football this season? How's that going to work? It looks like it's trending that we are going to. And we're going to look at what schedule changes, rule changes will be needed, safety precautions, kind of what if scenarios. That's going to be the show. But before we get into that, you have a trivia question. And Joe, this is going to be your first time with, with the trivia. So are, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Put me on the spot. All right, let's find out. Well, Joe, this is right in your backyard. Um, Ohio State University in 2018, their public school, they released the um, net um, either gains or losses by their individual teams by sport. Okay. Mm. So net, of course, is revenue minus expenses. Now, their baseball team, swimming and diving, track and field, and hockey, and this is 2018 because we have that data. What was the net of those four teams combined? That's revenue minus expenses. Uh, I want the baseball answer. swimming. Yep, baseball swimming and diving, track and field, and hockey. Okay. I want the answer in millions. Ooh. Jake, you want to? Yeah, I, I'm going to say negative 16 million. Okay, Joe. Man, I was thinking right around there, Jake. I was thinking four per squad. The hockey team, they draw some fans, so um, that, and they've actually gotten better. But that's I think not a money maker. With the way that Bobby's phrasing this question, I'll amp it up to I'll go six million ter- per team. Um, because I think they advanced to like different fine, you know, Big Ten and all that. So I'll go minus twenty-four million. Jeez, you guys are really, uh, really a, li- a little off here. So it's minus seven and a half million. Oh but wow, seven, seven and a half million is still a ton of money. Like uh, I think it was probably the way I phrased it, which led you to uh, go a little deeper in losses. One point nine million for baseball. million for swimming and diving, 1.4 million for track and field, and 2.5 million all losses for hockey. Um, So the point of me bringing up that trivia question is when you see schools like uh, Akron, schools like I think maybe Kent State just cut a program. Uh, Central Michigan. Central Michigan, sorry. Central Michigan just cut a program. When you see that these are real facts and figures – they're trying to cut down, and this is just a loss leader every single year. So I just want to point out um, how much the football revenue basically pays for every other sport, not just these four I mentioned. 
Well, and, and Bob, we, we can get more into that too. I, I think it's important to note just for FBS to, in order to stay eligible for that, you have to have a certain amount of programs too. So that's why I brought up central Michigan. I don't know if that's for sure the one you were thinking of, but it was either their baseball or track and field or something that they were cutting and it, and it puts them below the threshold. So I think some of the, I mean, we can get into this more. They, I think some schools were talking about trying to do a four-year petition to give them a little breathing room here during all this, but sorry, Joe, I, you were going to say something. No. And something to think about is the big 10 is pretty geographically friendly in terms of if Ohio state's going to Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Michigan state, they're busing to the majority of these games. Um, just keep that in mind as we discuss some of these things. When you talk about some of these conferences that become more spread out geographically. Yeah, that's something people don't factor in enough, I don't think, when they're talking about like conference expansion and things like that. Is I, I, I know for like some of the lower level, like in the American, people want them to expand and like just add BYU and you know, Air Force or something. And then it's like, yeah, but then in women's volleyball, are you really gonna have the teams from Florida going out to BYU, you know, or out to Utah, whatever? Like, you know, so yeah, I think that's worth noting. Um, all right, real quick, guys, before we get deeper into this discussion, I just did want to mention I created a new formula. I'm kind of tinkering with it, but I think I'm going to use it a lot this season. And then next year, I'll kind of have an idea of adjustments I need to make. But it factors in, I think it's 19 different things to make a measure that I call coach strength, program strength, and roster strength. And then I use those three together to come up with a metric. Uh, I'm going to be uh, referencing that a lot when we do our season previews. And I did want to talk about that. I mean, we're going to do probably a division at a time this year, guys, if we go a little more in depth. And so if we're doing that and adding on a little bit more of the American, that's probably going to be 10 or 11 episodes so over the course of the next few months here, I mean, that's going to be coming up. I mean, even if we do like two a week, uh, probably in the next month or so. So I did want to announce that what, if you get on Twitter, uh, we'll have updates on that. And then also I was going to maybe put out some polls. I don't know what you guys think of this uh, about which conferences we should do first and then uh, just kind of sort things out that way. But I did want to announce that, that we're going to start turning the corner here because guys, once we get into the summer, I know last year, all of a sudden it really snuck up on us and we're, you know, we're doing all these wind totals and all this stuff and it can be kind of a whirlwind as the season starts. So uh, we'll get an official dates set up on all that between the five of us, but I did want to mention that. So uh, as we get into these topics, Bob, we're going to start with you and you can kind of set things up kind of what you were thinking. So the first one is how can we play football this season? Uh, that's pretty general. Uh, so some things you wanted to talk about inside of that. And then Joe and I can kind of give you some feedback. What do you have for us? Yeah, so just a kind of a preamble here. Um, maybe I should have rephrased this and said every other sport at that university needs football to happen. You know, so I have a stat here. Power five programs have four point one billion dollars in revenue. Um, so it's an average of seventy eight million per school. All right. Most of this is football. A quarter of that one billion is ticket sales. One point five billion is media rights, advertising, and royalty. So when you talk about the importance of football to other programs and the importance of putting fans in the stands, uh, the other programs can't even exist without football. So uh, I guess I'll stop right there and see, uh, what, see what your guys' thoughts are on maybe a school without football or you know where we go from there. 
Yeah, Bob, flat out, these schools can't exist without football. So I guess the question is, and you know, you, the, the, the overall theme here is how can we play football this season? How important is it to the other sports? I guess what I what does that do for scheduling? That's where my mind immediately goes, because if we're if it hinges on fans in the seats, you know, a quarter of the money they make is, is from ticket sales. Do you push the season back and shoot for that? Or do you say that 25% there, we're just going to have to eat that and hope this season we can just string together enough to make 75% of it and put a season out there because that's more important. And because I think there would be concern if you pushed it back to the spring, then all of a sudden, you know, if there is a second wave or something in the winter, then all of a sudden, uh, well, we'll just cancel it outright. So do they kind of just fight through the loss of the ticket sales in order to at least make something happen. Cause kind of how we talked about some of these programs are already folding Florida tech football. They already folded and it's these lower level schools where they, they start to get hit immediately. So I, I don't really know that that's the part of the conversation that I just don't think I've heard enough about at this point to know really where they're headed on that. It seems like first things first is even just getting the idea of getting people back on campus. But like we talked about this stuff comes up fast. So we're, we're going to have to have a plan. I agree with you, Jake. Um, we need a plan and we need a plan now. I am on the uh, thought process of, hey, listen, we need to start the schedule, the season soon. We don't know if there's going to be a second wave, but if there is a second wave, we need the whole season over with. Normal flu season comes right about December, um, maybe a little bit November. So it'd be an absolute travesty if we get through the whole entire season. We announce these four teams are going to play in the college football playoff. Up, oh, season's over. Or, hey, Oregon, you're pretty good this year, but. Uh, your state said you need to shut football down because it's worse there than it is in Florida. Um, you can't compete in the national championship. Then what? Right? So I'm up, I'm on the, on the fence with scheduling is let's get this going as fast as we can. I, I think one of the positives that, uh, you know, we see this as a constantly evolving situation here. One of the positives is we've seen the change in the last two weeks where you have the California governor say, hey, we're not going to do anything for three months. And then you see some things happen. And all of a sudden this week you have the, you have them allow for sports. And, and what that tells you is that money really talks. Once they start looking at what's going on in terms of the money for these college football programs, professional sports programs, you know that you have people that are committed to the sport because they absolutely need, need, need the money. And so that's a one good thing. If you have a takeaway right now is, Hey, people are trying and they will do anything to get this done. And so that might mean moving the season up. I think that's a very good point, Bob. Joe, I wanted to piggyback on that a little bit because I was listening to the, the college football live put out a podcast that Paul Feinbaum did with Mina Kimes. I guess it's a different podcast they have. And Paul Feinbaum was literally saying, like, this is the death of the Pac-12 if they don't have a football season or if California says that their teams can't play. Because if you announced – because what are you going to do with those players? You have to let them transfer immediately if they're not allowed to play. And so if you have this mass exodus out of the Pac-12, which is already in the Power Five, kind of the on the outside looking in, especially as the playoff goes, if those schools can't play and they lose a bunch of talent, and then, I mean, think about 2021. If, if you're looking to commit to a school, are you – do you feel comfortable – 
committing somewhere where they just have taken this away. So I, I, I agree with you, Joe, where the, the tone has certainly changed. Cause I, I know in Oklahoma, Mike Gundy got a lot of crap and I think Lincoln Riley even said something uh, about it as well and weighed in on it. Mike Gundy was saying like by May 15th, June 1st, somewhere in that neighborhood, I want people to be able to get back and start working out again. And he was killed for saying that because he said it like a few weeks ago. And it is funny how so much can change where all of a sudden June 1st, like that doesn't sound quite so ridiculous now, but we, it, it seems like it, everyone just has like this knee jerk reaction because there's this fear of coming, being the one who comes back too soon and then getting all the blowback. That's what kind of what it feels like anyway. And Jake, you, you're ready for a hot take here is that. Yeah, let's do it. Unfortunately, you see this happen in the NFL. What do these guys do when they go home, they get free time, they're not in a structured environment. They go and they get arrested. They do dumb things. They hang out with their high school crowd. They don't have the, the same level of meaning. Um, you know, it doesn't mean anything if your buddy from high school gets arrested. But if you're the starting running back at Oregon, that means a lot. And so I think one of the things is, like, for these players, it might be a better situation where you open things back up and they're going to be taken care of. They're going to have unlimited food back on campus. They're going to have a place to stay. They're going to, you know, they're going to be able to work out. They're going to have discipline. They're going to have a structure. I don't think that's, you know, that's something we got to consider for these guys. Um you know, we hear all the time about how they lack money. If they go to school, they're going to have some of those things taken care of. Um, and I, I think that's something something you got to consider for these players. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> one of our coaches used to say, like, nothing gets players in trouble more than just being bored. Um, and I think there's a lot of guys who are being bored. Now that stuff's opening up, I wouldn't be surprised if you just see the arrest list just shoot up, unfortunately – some of these college players um, when they're on campus and you get arrested, your campus police can kind of keep it hush hush when you're in a different jurisdiction, a different state. That's just sometimes not the case. Yeah. So I, I guess that kind of Bob, I want to ask you uh, just general scheduling. If we're, you know, we're talking about, let's get these guys in as soon as possible. Let's get this season underway as soon as we can. You know, we took Notre Dame is August 10th through November 24th for their fall semester does that start to open up a trend? And I, I don't know how general we want to get with just the structure of how college operates, but is that going to start to become more of a thing where if you're going to have this many people on campus all together, you want it to be in the warmer weather and maybe that starts to become more of, you know, Thanksgiving through at some point in January, that's, that would be like the quote unquote new summer break. And then a shorter break would be between the two semesters and you have school more, I mean, do you think that's something that could stick? Would that be a good idea if you're if, like, if we see that, especially for something like this, kids are less prone to it. So, do you really want to send them home for the holidays for that long? It, it, I mean, it seems like a good idea on paper to move Notre Dame up, but I can right. see the flip side of it where it's like, well, now you've just sent them all off campus as it you talk about as flu season's ramping up and as you're starting to see more older family members and stuff. So, I, I don't, right, I, I don't know what to make of that. All right, so here's the hot take. So uh, I'm just going to handle the football side of that. And the football side of that is the rule is I think it's like four weeks or so before your first game is when you're allowed to start um, uh, summer fall camp, so to speak. So the earlier your first game is, the earlier you get to practice. So I think that's why you're seeing all these schools play games earlier because the earlier you get to practice. So if Notre Dame, they're, if they have kid, kids in school back in August 10th, there are rules uh, restricting practice time, whether you're in school or out of school. Actually, during Thanksgiving week, your practices and your time spent at um, 
at the facility are way longer because there's different rules because you don't have school because the, the, the whole school's on break. So Notre Dame being back to school on August 10th, that's going to hurt their football preparation because they sure as heck can't have two days and they have very uh, a lot of restrictions on how many, to- how many hours you can practice during a week when the school is in session. So and it's an advantage for the schools that actually start later due to the way NCAA football rules are written. Interesting point to think about, Bob. The schools that are on the quarter system, and there's not as many anymore. I know Ohio State was that before I got there. Sometimes they don't start till the first or second week of September. You might see if that starts happening more nationally, there might be a bigger advantage football-wise for those type of schools. So that's something we got to keep our eye on as this thing evolves over time. Okay, so if we're talking about trying to get this season done as soon as possible, what happens with kind of the more meaningless bowl games? Do we just cancel them this year? The the, the 40-something bowl games where you're just traveling to these random cities, guys are partying it up in these cities. I mean, you're killing me, Jake. Is, is this a good yeah. idea? No, uh, you miss so much shot. revenue. All the revenue is <laughs> tied up in the bowls, right? Don't they, wouldn't they miss out on tons of revenue with the TV stuff? Yeah, I'd probably. I mean, I know they save on expenses, so I guess it might depend on the bowl. I just, I look, I don't, I personally don't really care. I, if they played every bowl, I would, I would treat it the same way. And if they had a normal college football season, I'm just thinking of the sacrifices that are going to be demanded. Just, I, I don't know. Like you look at how this whole situation is being handled. Like people are still freaking out. And I yeah. just, it, it, I, I just, I think it's a hard sell it's like, for me personally, it's like, I don't really care that much, but if I go into the store, I'll wear a mask just for the sake of everyone else. So people aren't worried about it. It's almost like that way for college football. That's like, we want to put on this season. We personally don't really care that much, but if these extra bowl games that don't really mean anything anyway, if like, that's a sacrifice we have to make to be able to put on the season. And another thing I want to talk about too, is it, would conference play only be an, an issue? Cause we kind of talked about the state of California, Alabama and USC are supposed to play week one. What if USC is not ready for that? Would it be easier for the SEC to say, well, we only want to deal with Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Alabama, you know, Mississippi, Tennessee, whatever, like all these states. It's easier to just deal with that regionally than have to worry about all these other schedules and what other states may or may not be doing. Is, is it, would that be an option to play like a 10 game regular season and play all conference games? Have you guys thought about that at all? Have you, is, is there anything to that? I think what you could actually do, I remember, um, I think it was a couple of years ago where Iowa State, they needed another game and they actually played Drake, which is hysterical because they almost lost. I mean, Drake's in the Pioneer League. Um, I played them when I played at Dayton. That's one to play non-scholarship football. And I think you could see teams um, dip into not only the one double A ranks to fill up their schedule. Jake, and to answer your question about you know what? I think what you said about the bowl season was perfect. Where you said if there's a thing that you know we can easily cut off that doesn't have a great impact, I'm I'm a reg. I love the regular season in college football. I think that's something easy that you can get rid of and you can get rid of a lot of complications. So I agree with your point. I just want to circle back there. But I'm of the belief, Jake, when we talk about scheduling, that we understand that hey, this is going to be a really weird year. Let's get really weird with it. You know, let's have let's have Ohio State play Wisconsin twice. Let's have Alabama play LSU, Florida, 
um, Auburn twice. Like, give me, give me a home and home with like all your biggest <laughs> rivals. I, you know, what I mean, it's like, hey, if we're gonna, if we're gonna do something crazy with this season, if we're gonna go to ten games or whatever, like, let's have fun with it. Like, give people great matchups. You know, give us like two Red River shootouts or something like that. You know, I, I don't know, but you know, have fun with it. Give, give something that like people are really gonna want to watch because they can't go to the games. So give them some really entertaining television. You know, play around with the TV schedule. Give us some good like Thursday or Friday night matches. I don't know, but I I want them to just like be a hundred percent flexible with it and just have a lot of fun with it. Um, that would be my thing is just take a chance. This is the one year that you can get away with anything. You can schedule anything, and you can just say like like Bobby said, you could schedule Drake and just say, hey, it's you know it's pandemic. What do you expect us to do? And no nobody's gonna bat an eye. So I I I. I I encourage people just, you know, kind of have fun with it. Be crazy. It's a one unique year in college football. Yeah. And if, if you're a conference that's kicked around the idea of getting rid of divisions, then try it out, you know, just little things like that and just see if you actually like it or not, if that's how it works out. But do you guys think that is something, I mean, if I asked you today, I don't know what the date is, May 22nd, we're probably going to put this out next week on Monday or Tuesday. So I don't know, May 27th, let's say. Do you think there will be adjustments made to the schedule or do you think every team should proceed as if they're going to play all of these games as scheduled in the locations where they're scheduled to be played? I think if the trends continue, which the Ohio governor just announced today that again, this will be released next week that uh, reception halls can now up, can have up to 300 people in them. So that's a huge step in the right direction for a state that was pretty uh, harsh early on. Well, and, and again, we, I'm trying to stay political out of this. We, we have no idea how, what this thing was going to do. Uh, but I think the way that everything was gone, I think there's a chance the season goes as scheduled. Whether that's with fans or without fans, I'm not sure. But I think the scheduling of the teams in the games will happen. Bob, real quick, let's get super political and just turn this into a political podcast from here on out. I think that's what the people are demanding. They might. 50% of the people <laughs> will effing love us, and the other 50% of the people will effing hate us, in the words of uh, El Presidente. Before we do that, Jake, let's, let's call Ray and make sure he, he gets his thoughts in. Oh, man. No, no, no. Thank God he's busy this week. <laughs> um, all right, so, Bob, you think it'll go – Joe, what about you? Just as far – you think things will go as scheduled as far as the locations, even for the neutral games, non-conference, all that kind of stuff? You think it can be worked out? Yeah, I think with the latest developments, you know, I I think, you know, it would have made sense a week or two ago to say, like, everyone brings up the USC-Bama game, and that's certainly one that you can look at. I just don't know how much you're really lowering the risk by playing another school in your conference as opposed to somebody that's out of conference. Um, I guess there's more travel involved. You know, I don't know. I mean, the, the game of football still doesn't change. It's still likely the same amount of people involved. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much that really helps when we talk about numbers and, you know, upping or lowering that risk. Okay. So I wanted to ask you guys too, just about fans then, Bob, I know you just said you didn't know whether it would be fans or not. I'm I'm so bad at gauging this kind of thing because I see polls that are like, people are still scared to leave their house. I'm like, I flew last weekend. I'm so far removed from that kind of mindset. It's like, if there was the Ohio State Michigan game tomorrow or Alabama Auburn tomorrow and it was a full stadium and no one had a mask, I would go and I wouldn't even think twice about it. So I'm not really the person I think that can gauge this. So will what is what has to happen? Do we see like 
stands where they like leave an empty seat between everyone? Is it none for the non-conference and an easier way into the schedule? I just, I can't imagine college football as a sport without any form of fans. There's gotta be something. Let me throw this one in. Um, at Notre Dame, uh, I got to know a person who owned a house literally right across from campus. In every home game, they rented out their house. They just went to their sister's for the weekend. They rented out their house. It literally paid for their mortgage for the entire year. So not only are you hurting the universities, you're hurting the little fans uh, around them. But to answer your question. Bob, real you, quick. Yeah. Uh, when I was at KU, I, we lived like three doors down from the football stadium. Same kind of thing. And we would park our cars out in the street in front of our house the night before the game. Yeah. And wake up first thing in the morning and be like, hey, I'll move my car for 20 bucks. And we had five people in the house, so we'd all do it. And then we had 100 bucks to go to the liquor store and get our beer and whatever we wanted, jello shots or whatever else. There you go. I mean, that's the rest uh, of the day. same kind of thing. Yeah, same kind of thing. So, yeah, Jake, Bobby probably got paid too. So, that you guys are both <laughs> in the same boat there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and, but, anyways, you look at the number. that one. One billion, and this is basketball included, but mostly it's football. And not only are you talking like um, individual ticket sales, they're seat licenses these guys pay. And they're enormous seat licenses, um, especially at these big, big schools. So that's a oh, yeah. large amount of revenue you're missing out on. I mean, you look, think about the ho- local hotels. At Notre Dame and South Bend, if you want to get a hotel for a football weekend, you have to buy Friday and Saturday. You have to buy the entire weekend at like $450 a pop. So it's a huge hit to everyone if these games don't happen. Fan with fans, I should say. Would you go if 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 there was a game to? I mean, what what would your stipulations be if they said, "Hey, in two weeks, here's a Notre Dame ticket"? Would you say in order to go, this what would have to happen? Well, the problem is I have a, uh, you know, if I didn't have a uh, three year old and a, or two year old and a six month old, but yeah, if that that wasn't the picture, yes, I would go. So you would go with no so, – so say it's you and a couple buddies. You wouldn't be worried about yeah. being too close to other people or anything. You would just, Again, I, I'm, I'm lower 30s age too, so that's part of it too. But, yes, I, I would go. Okay. Joe, are you the same way? Okay. Here's what I'm going to say, Jake. I, I, I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen versus what I think should happen. Um, I think that schools – and we keep talking about money. That's the one thing that just happens – every sentence we're talking about here. So what are schools going to do when they talk about tickets? They're going to go to the people that pay the most, right? If Ohio state has a hundred thousand tickets, now they have 20. They're going to give it to the people that pay the most university. Those people are most likely a little bit older. They're going to be in a higher risk bracket. My thing is why not, you know, we have a chance to get the students really involved. Our students are going to be under 30 years old. Their chances of dying from this is I think nearly one in a million less than um, someone that's above 65. It's something crazy like that. It's astronomically lower. You know, why don't we give the opportunity for students that really have a chance to go see football games? You know, at Ohio State, it's hard to get tickets. But just say, hey, students, you can go. You can go sit in here, and then we'll have limited uh, seats for other fans. And you really give the students a chance. You know, sit them behind the other team's bench. Give them a chance to try to get into, uh, into the game. That's what I would like to see, because um, I just think in terms of risk, they're your lowest risk. Um, but like I said, they're going to result, and they're going to they're going to result in just giving tickets to whoever pays the most in a limited fashion. 
And that's, um, I think that's going to happen in Ohio State, and I'll be a little bit disappointed for that. Is it going to have like that kind of that corporate feel that they talk about where like for the Super Bowl, for yeah. example, where it's it's not really about the diehard fans. It's kind of just, yeah, like you're saying, the highest dollar for the tickets. Right. And, and I, I think you could do, you know, you could do cool things if you have a bunch of people that are really excited. They're right behind. You know, I mean, Bobby talks about playing at Purdue and, you know, when Bobby played, they were actually decent. One of the harder things about playing at Purdue is those fans are literally 10 feet from behind your bench, just yelling the entire game. And it's like, man, like, what, what could Ohio State do? Like, we put our students in the end zone. You can barely hear them unless you're on one side of the field. Um, you know, what if you put them right behind the right behind the bench? And it's like, man, what, what, what could you do with all these college atmospheres? Um, so I think that that'd be something that's really – that would be interesting to me. And I think, like I said, it's a unique year. Just, you know, have fun with it. Um, but if, but if they're going to they're gonna end up doing whatever makes them the most money. Okay, so I guess you guys want to get into the topic where rule changes, where we talk about safety changes, things like that. So we're all assuming there are going to be games. We're all assuming that we're going to be able to have the schedule. We're going to be able to have the season with adjustments or whatever. But okay, so now let's talk about actual game day, the week of the game. How do you go about – I mean, do you just test every player on the team a day before the game and check their temperatures the day of the game? What happens if somebody on the team has coronavirus? What do we do as far as all that kind of stuff goes to make sure that the players are safe when they take the field so people don't have to worry about that piece of it? I, I think doing temperature checks would be super easy. Uh, I don't know about the COVID testing. Um, that seems a little more challenging to get those and get those results in, in a timely manner. But temperature testing, like when you have two days at, at, in football at Notre Dame, at least when I played, um, when you walked in first thing in the morning, there was a student manager there. And you stepped on the scale. He took your weight. When you walked out of practice or off of practice and you stripped down everything, he took your weight. And they're monitoring how much weight you lost. Before the second practice, took your weight. How much weight did you – how much weight do you have? After the second practice, took your weight. How much weight do you have? It take, probably takes longer to take your weight than it does to take your temperature. So if they can do that and they're already checking weight each day, checking temperature shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, I agree with that, Bobby. And that was the one thing we got weighed in every single day, um, you know, sometimes multiple times. I don't think the temperature is going to be an issue. I think – you know, you brought up testing, Jake, and everybody just shouts out testing nowadays. That seems to be the popular word. Um, but I, I agree. I don't know how you're supposed to do you just do you do it like drug testing and you test 10 random players a day. Mm. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's a good solution. Maybe, you know, you test kids that live in different dorms. I don't know what that solution is, uh, but that's definitely something where. More, I think more important than you know what than what the, the results they get from testing. I just think they need to have an organized plan to present the people um, that people are like, okay, they're regularly testing players, um, and that's my thing. Um, so I, I I think in general, like they're going to be surrounded by a bunch of college kids, and these football players they don't see a ton of people. They really don't. It's going to be the same people in the building. Um, so I think they're at a, a lower list than um a lot of other people but they just need a really organized plan of doing this yeah joe i'm with you as far as like everybody's testing 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 we need more testing but like 
as soon as you take the test and then you go somewhere, it almost like negates the test. I, I mean, you, that's why I was saying like if there was a way to do it the day before the game, but then it doesn't do you any good for the next week's game because theoretically, if you're going to get it, I mean, it, it could happen. So like that test doesn't obviously do anything for you into the future. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think the routine temperature thing, that seems like a pretty good idea. What And so then what ends up happening, what ends up happening if somebody does test positive? Do you, I mean, because let, let's be realistic. If, if there's, 130 teams in the FBS, 65 in the Power Five. We count it however you want to slice it. With all of these players, chances are it is going to happen if you have a regular amount of testing. So something's got to give there. You can't just shut down the entire sport if it happens. Yeah. So what protocol do you put in place for that? I, I think what you said last is, is so important. And I know Gordon Gee came out the other day and he said, hey, you can't shut everything down just because someone tests positive. The reality is, is that people are going to test positive for this virus every day until we get a vaccine or until something else happens. Um, so I, I think that's something we definitely need to plan for. But the, Jake, the, the question I want to throw back at you and Bobby is, you know, say somebody tests positive on your team. You're going into a game day and you have a player, you might have a, a left tackle that says, hey, I don't I don't know if. I want to play this game. You know, I was surrounded by this, you know, the, the other players on the team, uh, the other team we're playing might have a positive test. They haven't had, uh, that they haven't discovered yet. You know, my question is who represents these players? You know, where are they in this decision-making process? Cause it seems like it's entirely controlled by politicians and then ADs of various, uh, colleges. So, you know, who makes the decisions for the players here? Bob, you want to take that one? Yikes. Uh, I don't think the players <laughs> say um, none. That's just the nature of the system. Um, the only way they get something done is if someone like that Connecticut basketball player said the players were starving, it blows up in media, and then colleges look bad, and then they change the rule. That's the only way something will get done. I, I don't know. But the thing is, you know, you hear about an MLB or an NFL and these different leagues, you have players that, they present a proposal and then the players go back at it with their players association. And this one is just, you're going to have ADs doing it, something. And with the understanding that they need money, so they're going to have to play. And, you know, I don't have a problem with a kid sitting out, but you know, who, who's to protect these kids here. And you always just got to try to take the player side in this and I would play, but I don't know if everybody would. Well, and the thing you got to wonder too, is if, if a player did, feel uncomfortable and not want to play, would there be pressure on them to, to play anyway, you know, to, you know, it, it just seems like if you're on a top team or you're a key player or something, would you be able to feel comfortable enough where you could actually be honest about how you felt about it? Or would, would you feel like, well, should I, I mean, I, on paper, they say I have a choice, but do I really feel like I have one? I think it depends where you are. If you're in a state that's like, uh, that views this as no big deal, then if you come out and say it against it, you're going to get lambasted. But if you're in a state that um, is shutting everything down and hasn't opened up yet, you could almost be regarded as a hero in some aspects. So I think it's really going to be state and team specific on that one. And I, 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 I hope it doesn't go that way. Clayton Thorson, I know, tried to unionize a few years ago, which I, on its face, I don't think is like a horrible idea, but I just, 
I would hate for it to someone to like go the Colin Kaepernick route in college football or something just to try to get some publicity for themselves and like make some science, some sort of stand or something. I, I just really hope it wouldn't come to that. I agree with you. I just thought it was an interesting point to bring up. I don't think we really even gave you a, a, a satisfactory answer. I, I no, it's just point. it's just something to think about. Yeah. Um, and that just greater shows what's going on with you know the system of college football and. Ultimately, and there's other athletes that, you know, have tremendous impact. They have great careers, but it all it all comes back to football. Um, and that's not disrespectful, but they're the moneymaker. Tua is the one that brings in money at Alabama. Not anybody on the swimming and diving team. It's, it's hard. So I got a quick story. I think I told this uh, in previous podcasts, but for those who haven't uh, heard this one, so at University of Dayton is one AA non scholarship, right? So they're part of the one hundred and thirty or so one AA uh, F uh, CS uh, teams. We had a one hour credit course. Um, all the athletes were mandatory had to take freshman year. We walk in there and our speaker the first day of class was the assistant athletic director. He comes in and writes ninety eight percent on the board. We're all like, what is he doing? What is he talking about? Like. And he goes, you guys see this number? I'm like, yeah, it says 98%. He says, the basketball team makes 98% of the revenue out of, for all the sports here combined, the basketball team makes 98% of that revenue. So if you see the new basketball team walking around with new shoes, new shirts, new t-shirts, new warm-ups, remind yourself of that number. Because if they didn't exist, you wouldn't exist. And he ended the conversation. I'll never forget that. Nice. Wow. I feel like that's like a really controversial thing to say these days. Steven admit that. Right there. Um, okay, so as far as just, you know, we've talked a lot about the money side of it. As far as other rule changes or, or safety precautions, just while we're on that topic, I know we had some things listed here just about, I don't know, are there adjustments made to – number of players that dress even for the home team and can be on the sideline? Are there any sort of limits for coaching staff, uh, coaches or trainers or, or people with masks on? What, what what are we thinking as far as any of the actual in-game kind of stuff goes? Or if we feel comfortable with testing, does that stuff not matter as much if they're all around each other throughout the week anyway? Where, where do we stand on that? Well, I, I don't know why we can't expand the sideline box. You know, right now we're stuck at the 30 to 30. You have and even when you're playing, like, it's really hard to see. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, it sucks. Is on it the sucks. Line. You can't even see what's going on. You just look at the scoreboard. It sucks. It sucks. So it seems like the, the, the sideline box makes sense for maybe the cheerleaders and the band so they can get on the field. I'm not against the cheerleader and the band, but let's go back to grade school football where we have no sideline box. Let, the, let everyone go end zone to end zone because that'll help hype up the game a lot when you have the whole team sitting on the one-yard line and your team's at like a fourth and goal from the one. That'd be a blast, right? So, yeah. Well, wait, Bob, the isn't, isn't, isn't the whole point of expanding the sideline box to have social distancing? Yeah, but I'm making the civil, sil <laughs> silver lining in this one. <laughs> it's just very clearly you can see how that would devolve into not being right. that at all. <laughs> 100%. But, but you'd be able to see. You'd be in able to general, watch I get the idea, though, of just being able to space things out. Just yeah. having benches it, it, all the way down. Right. And, and I think the thing like something like this that Bobby brings up 
we're looking for solutions that don't impact the game. Like this is an easy one where you say, hey, we can double the amount of space that teams have. You know, when you're on a home game, when you have your entire roster there, it is brutal. Like Bobby said, to see the game, there's so many bodies there. We had so many trainers. I mean, you, you probably have like over 200 people in this 30 to 30 yard box. Like, let's double that. Let's space it out. It doesn't affect the game at all. That's an easy change that I think we can make. Um, you know, these are just some other common sense things we talked about is, you know, we're going to you know eliminate the handshake after the game. Um, with the, you know, we're talking about the coach's box. I think you brought that up, Jake. You know, the schools that have those extra coaches, you talk about your Alabama that, you know, where coaches go to rehab. Um, you know, is that something where they can't have all those coaches anymore? Maybe it's just a coordinator on both sides of the ball. You know, what do you guys think about something like that? I mean, if you have room in the press box and you can, I mean, if the, if the people aren't sitting right on top of each other, yeah, I don't know. I, it, I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't got that far on that kind of thing. I don't know what I make of that. I, I think the coach's press box um, is often super overcrowded. Um, I just think there's so many unnecessary people on the sidelines. Like there's probably five or six, this sounds crazy, but there's probably five or six, um, uh, maybe more up to 10 uh, student managers who literally their only job is to get water to the players. Like that's probably unnecessary. You can have the players get their own water. And that kind of overcrowding is more for home teams, I'm assuming, just in general. Yes. yes. So, away, games, away games are a breath of fresh air, Jake. So put those same have – the, have the new home rules be like the away ones then, I guess? It's hard yeah. because like when – I, I, like there, that may be the solution. The one thing I would say is that's your one chance where you can dress your walk-ons um, – you know, the guys that don't exactly make the travel roster that put in all the time. So I think that that's, that gets kind of tricky. Um, but it, it certainly isn't, you know, it's a solution where it doesn't affect the game. So it's something they got to look at. I'll tell you what, you guys have seen the movie Rudy probably not as many times as I have. I can guarantee that. And there's a famous quote in there when he's talking about the whole team's gathered up and they're talking about the tryouts. And the coach says, so if you have – there's like you know 90 scholarship players and only 60 guys dressed for game day. So if you have any visions of running out that tunnel, gold helmets shining bright, you best better leave them right here. And uh, for I as a walk, I can tell you all the buddies I played with, their blood, sweat, and tears getting their butt beat day in and day out, running down you know Notre Dame field with a fight song playing. Uh, I mean, you could translate that to any fight song in a university. That makes everything worth it. What you do 365 days a year, just to run out of that tunnel six times a year. So taking that away would be really hard. Well, and it's one of those things too, Bob, where like I, I, I keep trying to take a step back when I like, it, and again, we don't want to get political. It just, it seems like, and, and this is all the states and at the beginning and every, everything when it was like a, the governor would come out and be like, all right, here are 67 new decrees. And it would just get to the point where it's like, hold on, are we even talking about coronavirus anymore? So I, I don't want to get to the point where we're just coming up with anything in the name of safety, just do it anyway. So for like that kind of thing, it's like if some walk-ons are on the sideline and we do agree to space it out more, are, are we really running the risk of all of a sudden coronavirus is going to run rampant in these communities now and people are going to get sick and die because the walk, like four extra walk-ons were 
you know, I don't know. I, I like, I, I want to draw the line somewhere before it just gets to the point where it's just safety, safety, safety. If it's in the name of safety, then just you have to do it. Yeah. And Jake, I think you, you mentioned it earlier. Um, you know who these walk-ons are playing in practice. Most likely they're the scout team playing the starters. And you know what you got to do in football? You got to hit somebody. So you're going to have body fluid going. You're going to grab people. They're going to have exposure. The starters are going to have exposure. I agree. I don't think there's any. Um, I don't think there's any added exposure there. But you know, if, if some people cry foul and they get you know all worked up about it, if that's what you have to do, maybe that's what you have to do. I don't know. Expand the sidelines and put all the walk-ons and people that aren't going to play in the game. Put them outside the 25-yard line. I don't know. Um, but I agree with Bobby. That was a big moment for me. I didn't travel my first year there. And I was like, every Saturday, like, man, this is my time. I get to, you know, I'm not going to play, but it's like, wow, this is awesome. You get to run out here and get in front of the crowd and do all that stuff. So definitely um, walk-ons, unfortunately, I think are going to get hurt pretty bad by this whole pandemic. So I think schools are going to take a little less. Well, my other concern too, is you see with just governing bodies in general, they're not so much about taking rules away. And so I don't want to like, put any any rules that we're talking about now that we're going to put in place, I'm going to assume that we're not going to get it back. So I don't want to just start placing these restrictions on here that all of a sudden just become, quote unquote, the new normal and become these permanent things. And then a few years later, it's like, oh, man, remember when the walk-ons actually got to be part of the team? You know, oh, remember when, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I want to pump the brakes a little before just giving that stuff away. Like I said, just, well, it's in the name of safety. It's in the name of safety. And like, hold on, what, what are we really talking about? I, I just, I think it's important to have those discussions a little deeper, but um, all right, let's see where, where else are we at here? Do you guys have any other rule changes? Are, are we on to some, what if scenarios? What, what do you guys think? I think, I think something that we could look at. And like I said, Jake, I don't necessarily agree with all this. This is more stuff that to appease people, you know, give more space, give the appearance that you're doing everything you can. Um, you know, I know Bobby had brought up a couple of times with away locker rooms are really small. They're not built for a ton of people, but the home locker rooms are often pretty nice. And the home teams, they're not far away from their practice locker room, which is way nicer than the home locker room. So if, if space is an issue, let's let's change up some locker rooms. Let's let the team that is at home, let them use their practice locker room, their facility in this crazy nice facility, use that as your game locker room, bust the team over just like Clemson does. Um, I think that's a common sense solution where you can just give the appearance again of saying, Hey, we're doing everything we can, the social distance. It's not just about the money. We're, you know, we're taking care of our players. And I think that's just an easy step where you could give players a little more space. Um, and then again, it doesn't affect the game of football. Hey, we could go back to the old grade school. And just have halftime on the on the end zones, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Everyone I mean, takes a knee around the coach. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of businesses right now, unfortunately, are using this time to kind of trim the fat and um, or, you know get rid of employees, and they're saying, "Hey, because of the coronavirus, we need to make costs." And and some just have to cut costs to you know to make ends meet. And I get that. However, I think college football, and they won't do this because it's college football could use this as an opportunity to adjust some rules maybe a little bit, um, to, which would make the game better. Uh, so that's kind of the way I'm kind of seeing this, is use this opportunity to take a look at your rules, maybe look at what the XFL is doing. Hey, some of those rules are actually made pretty darn good sense, right? 
Um, so I didn't know if you guys either uh, had any rules, Jake, we'll start with you, uh, that would change the game for the better that we could implement right now. I mean, I would stop doing random replays in the first quarter with 1330 left in the game. And you're trying to tell whether the guy was down on the 46 and a half or the 47, you know, so just in the name of shortening the game and being out there less and having people in the stands less at what difference does it really make? Probably not. It's probably negligible, but I mean, if we're talking rule changes and we get a chance to make a little wish list, I'm cutting down a ton on instant replay and maybe even making it like only in the last two minutes of the game or something or on scoring plays turnovers in the last two minutes or something. But that's the thing that I'm griping about all season long on our Sunday round table. Cause it's still fresh. That, that taste is still fresh in my mouth after the weekend. And I just have to yell at Tony and Ray about it. You know, I kind of like that Jake. So we did like the, the, the first last couple of minutes uh, in each half and maybe scoring plays are reviewed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there we go. Shorter game, um, because, you know, shorter games means less contact, you know, with everyone around, right? Sure. Safety. Joe? I mean, any anything that could shorten a college football game, I'm all in for. It's ridiculous that it takes four hours um, to play a game, and really it's only about six minutes of actual football. Um I think that's a good rule change. I'm not sure I have anything in terms of the actual gameplay. My biggest gripe would be looking at the RPO, but that's not going to make people happy. Um, I just think it's an unfair football play um, with the lineman run down the field, but I don't think that's something that they're going to look at here. Um, so I, I think you I'm played I, defense and you played linebacker. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll, I'll have to sit. The, I think I'll have to sit this one out. Um, because that 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 results in offense scoring a little more points, which we know that's not changing anytime soon. All right, so I got one. I want to know what you think about it, but I, I think this would help the game. And we have had less practice time. Remember that, and we're going to have less practice time throughout the summer. We had no spring ball. What if we made communication helmets to uh, the wide receivers, um, all the skill positions on offense? Uh, and then, like, the secondary players on defense. or Maybe throw that idea out. But you would eliminate the huddle is what I'm trying to say. Uh, even though we know Wisconsin would try to do it, and if D'Antonio was still coaching, he'd huddle anyways. So what do you guys <laughs> think about that? Is it necessary? The, it wouldn't the, hurt, right? I mean, a lot of these teams don't huddle anyway. Jake, I mean, if, if they have, like, the cue cards and stuff. I don't, I don't, know, as no, I don't know as much about that kind of stuff as you guys would. Jake, I, I think you're spot on. My question, throwing back to Bobby, kind of building on that, is if you gave Central Florida headsets, does that change their offense at all? Does it make them go any faster? Because you watch them, they're getting a playoff every 16 seconds. Um, you know, at the same, like you can signal in, in two seconds just like you can't talk over a headset. Um, and then you're making sure no one ever steals your signals, which is good. So Alabama I, would take a hit. No, that's more Clemson than Bama. Um, well, anyways, but, 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 I, there, there is a there is a point there. You'd be making you'd see better <laughs> offensive football because you would have adjustments on the fly, and you'd be able to change super fast. So um, it'd be something that would be I, I think would help the offense, and everyone likes scoring. So I, I don't know. I, you, know, you know why I'm, I'm for it, Bob? Is for yeah. the TV broadcast. 
Because I did like I did like that in the XFL when you'd hear, you know, what was it Pep Hamilton talking to Cardell Jones or whatever? And that is cool, I, Jake. I agree. If that was part of the game, and and you know, some of the announcers that were former players, former quarterbacks, kind of got to talk about that stuff. Like when Greg McElroy was doing the XFL games, he was kind of he familiarized himself enough with the offense that he kind of knew what they were getting at, and so it was kind of cool to be able to get that that aspect of it. So just from that, strictly that, yeah, I I I, I could go with hey, it. Hey, and if oh, there's if there's limited fans in the stadium, you don't have crowd noise, and I it sure make them action better because there aren't any fans in the stands there. It's true. Um, Bobby, just as a clarification, you're saying that like the wide receivers are going to have wide receivers, tight end, running backs. They all have headsets still, or just the quarterback position, all position, all uh, skill position players, um, not the linemen. Point. Where, where do we stand on defense? The cornerbacks and defensive backs get it or no? I'd give it to four players on defense. Tell them to have fun with it. That now, if you gave it the defense, then it'd be. I mean, I don't know. That just that's such a big change because. In college football, the game is really simple. It's just played at really high pace, and teams are just more talented than one another. Because um, when you're able to press pause on a tape, it's not that hard. I know this is going to sound crazy, but and when you're actually out there, it's really hard. But if you have a coach just telling you, you know, what the formation is and you know what their tendencies are, these coaches they don't they only tell kids about ten percent of the information that they know for the up- upcoming team. Because the less is more in this situation. They don't want to slow anybody down. So that's one of the things that you really think about is like, do you really want a coach telling, you know, a linebacker exactly? Because they're going to have a really good feel what's going on. Do you want them telling a kid that? And you kind of take away the instincts of it um, and what they, you know, what they've been working on their whole life. So I'm kind of mixed. I think it'd be really interesting, but I'm mixed on what, how that would affect the game of football. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends what kind of communication, because if it's if it can be more conversational and more instructional and more coaching, that definitely does change compared to just straight up like here's the play we're running. Well, the way the XFL did it is they said, here we're going to do this so we have more plays faster, but it actually morphed into uh, the coaches coaching the players more on specific plays. Right. So as the games continued, um, which I'd be fine for, because, again, we'd missed all of spring ball. Um, and if these schools start um, back to school earlier, you're going to miss more practice time. You have limited practice time anyways, which no one's going to have more practice time nowadays. So I, I think it'll help in that aspect. Just just I, a thought there. Let me counter one second, Bob. Jake, you just put together your coaching rankings, right? I did. And one of the things you look at is like, Let's, let's be honest, all these coaches know football. They have a high level of understanding of football. They could explain it to you on paper. It's how well they're able to teach their kids. So I think one of the things that you would lose in this is some of those coaches that can really spell out a good scheme, like in Northwestern. How does Northwestern compete when you can start to level out those kinds of things, when you talk about the understanding of the game and the anticipation? So that's that would be the thing I would – I would not like, um, and I, I, you know, I, I like the favor good coaching. If the coaches are really good on a short schedule, they should get credit. They should get rewarded. And I think that this is going to, this season is going to amplify which coaches are good and which coaches are bad. And hey, that would be put, one of the things we're interested in. Yeah. I don't know. I, you put Mike Loxley on a headset and Pat Fitzgerald on a headset. I'd take 
Fitzgerald every time. That's true. Hey, actually recruiting because they'll probably get busted three or four years down the line for paying their illegal recruits the way they're recruiting. Him and Shiano will be going together. Um, but hey, anyway. look, hold on, Bob. That five-star receiver flipped from LSU <laughs> to Maryland for legitimate reasons. Okay. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right. <laughs> heard some heard some good stories, but it's all it's all it's all he he said she said. So we don't know. <laughs> so it's all true. Okay. So sorry. Sorry about that. Do you guys have any more rules you guys would add to the game that might help improve the game, so to speak? Okay. Not, not related to COVID-19, I don't. Okay. Um, Bobby, there's something that you put in here. I like this rule change. We're talking about less fans. I think stadiums should be allowed to pump in crowd noise to a certain level on defense. I think that rule makes sense. I like it. What do you guys think about it? I mean, if if you're a fan of a Mac school or something like that, like this is entertainment. Uh, like Coach Bernie Parmerly, he came from the NFL. He used to tell us before our pep talk, and he was our tight ends coach, before every game, he used to say, guys, you're entertainers. You got to go out there, entertain, entertain, have fun. You're entertainers. And that's the NFL approach, right? And that's the approach college football needs to take. Like you have to – set up an environment so these these uh, fans can have fun, and that'd be one way to do it for sure. So what do you say, like, oh, it, it can be 100 decibels or something? Yep, make it a decibel level. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. I'm sure the NBA the NBA has all these rules all ironed out, so it wouldn't be too hard to figure it out. Yeah, they pump sound into those games like nobody's business, and it just becomes part of the game. Right. Right. Yeah, and if, if, if we're not having full stands – I, w- I honestly would rather have that. It might be kind of weird at first, but I would rather have that than watch the broadcast without any sound in the background. I mean, it's one thing to watch UFC fights like that, but watching a whole college football game, it, you just, it would feel way too weird because college football is, you know, d- d- depends on that more than most sports, if not all yeah. of them. And if, and if you want to, you can play music. You can, you know, I mean, most all college practices are – practice with music with some sort of sound in the background the kids are used to it um make it a more entertaining product um i agree with taking the mea model and rolling with it i think it'd be it'd be a good change and i know you don't want to take changes for the future as much shake but i think that that's something you could have fun with um in the future well i guess yeah, with fans that, back it changes that seems pretty harmless to me i'm just really really reluctant to before i i, I want to give stuff away but yeah i mean that that's something that's pretty benign you know um okay what what do you guys okay so do we have any what if scenarios i know we had that as a section but we may have talked about all of this kind of stuff just throughout the flow of the conversation so is there anything i missed i I think one of the things that i didn't put on the paper we talked about players getting coronavirus and certainly like they're not going to be able to play what happens if you get a coaching staff is there a certain amount of coaches that get it where you just cancel? Is there a certain amount of players that get it where you cancel? Um, you know, what's the level where you're like, hey, this is going to be a no contest. Nobody plays. It doesn't go down the record book. What do you guys think about something like that? I think like an older coach would have to at, like be severely hospitalized or something. And then people would be like, whoa, 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 hold on. I think I the think, entire Auburn fan base is hoping Saban gets it because he's, you know, a little advanced in age and maybe they have a chance at uh, getting the upper hand in that fan base, in that uh, robbery. So, Were they the ones who poisoned the tree or was their tree poisoned? Good question. Their tree, 
their trees were poisoned, Jake. I, because I, I was uh, right on Tumor's corner. So this okay. is this is they're looking for payback here, Bob. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it against it all. <laughs> hey, you know how these college rivalries get? They get pretty fierce. We don't have to get too deep into that, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it does seem like it would have to come from the coaching side of it. Cause I, I just know from the NBA players, what if there were like 10 different players or something that tested positive, and I don't think any of them really even had any symptoms. So as far as like what would have to happen to be like, all right, enough is enough. I, I really think one, like a coach would have to have get severely hospitalized and it'd have to be like a major coach, like a, like a, a known head coach in the power five or something. Cause if it was like the South Florida D-backs coach, I just don't think that would pick up any steam in the media. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I will say this, like, colleges are phenomenal at hiding information. <laughs> we we yeah. look at their injury reports. We look at when kids get in trouble. You have no idea what happened because they just release um, ridiculous information. I mean, we talked about it. Like, some kid – I had one kid when I played, you know, uh, or a story I heard. Uh, he was arrested dancing naked in the street drunk at 3 a.m. The coach bailed him out of jail. You know what he was suspended for? He was spending for a violation of team rules. These colleges are phenomenal at hiding in information. So I think in very few instances are these actually going to reach the public. Well, we talked about the amount of money at stake, too. So, I mean, that you know, as nasty as it sounds, that's a reason that they have any way to keep as much as they can on the down low if they think they can at least somewhat responsibly continue. Right. Or you might see a coach like, yeah, this coach, um, this defense coordinator, really likes coaching from the sidelines, but he thinks he's going to get a better angle if he coaches in the press box alone. <laughs> he's never so. done that in 31 years, but uh, <laughs> you're going to see stuff like that. I promise you. So. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. I don't know. I mean, what else are you guys going to do to keep passing the time here before we get everything fired back up? So. I got in a rabbit hole last week, Jake. I don't know how I got on this. Maybe I clicked on a Twitter link. I went down the hole and watched some high school highlight tapes. Um, you know, maybe it was an Ohio State commit or something that got me watching. But I just, you know, if you want to go back and just look at the ridiculousness of Jadavion Clowney playing against a bunch of high school kids or watching Braxton Miller um, – I put we put together a list in here of some uh, highlights you got to watch, um, and they're they're honestly really funny, and it just makes you appreciate how much better athletes these guys are than the normal population. Um, number one, I had Adrian Peterson, which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, he's an absolute animal. Um, Allen Iverson, which is a really interesting one. He was a freak athlete to play quarterback. Um, I mentioned Clowney. Oh, so you're talking but, about Iverson's football highlights. Iverson's football highlights, yes. He, okay. Um, you got to go down that rabbit hole, Jake. Oh, um, I never have. Yeah. Oh, he is. He he threw the ball up, but he was he had a lot of fun with it. Um, so that was awesome. Um, Jadavion so Clowney. For, for Clowney, uh, are you saying his high school highlights or the, his highlights high against school Michigan? highlights? All of these high school highlights. Yeah, all of these high school highlights. Jadavion Clowney gets the ball at running back, and he runs. I mean, faster than probably most of the three or four star running back commits. It's absolutely insane. Um, actually, a sleeper one played at West Virginia, Noel Devine. He has a really good highlight tape. Braxton Miller, um, I actually thank God I didn't play against him in high school. We almost did, but he was ridiculous. Reggie Bush, um, Ted Ginn Jr., 
Um, these are all highlights that are ridiculous. And you can kind of go down the rabbit hole. One leads you to another. Um, they're just highlights to show you how much better these players are than their high school opponents. And it's actually really funny. So that's an easy way to lose, lose a track time. Joe, I added the Ted Ginn Jr. one. I saw because that. When he and his high school videos, when he's returning kicks and punts, it looks like if you like set the video game at rookie and he can just like weave to whichever way of the field he wants and then just like outrun everybody to the other side. All of a sudden it takes like 12 <laughs> seconds to do the whole return. And the next thing you know, he's just breaking loose. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. It, it's, I always, I get a crack out of the videos where you'll be in like a state with really bad football. I, I can't, I don't want to put anybody on the spot right now, but you know, you get something where you'll have like a top 20 player in the country and they're, they're playing kids that are like five, eight, you know, 230 pounds playing linebacker and they just have no chance. <laughs> and it's, it's like, you got Adrian Peterson run right at him and it's like, what are you going to do? Like you just get run right over. So it's hilarious. Um, so I, I recommend go down the rabbit hole there. That's it. I, I, I wasted an hour going through different highlights. So I recommend that one. It was funny. Uh, this is a story about Ray Ruberg, who you know was on the podcast too, not tonight, but we were on a bachelor party and we had a buddy that played at Nebraska and Ray was just meeting him for the first time. I was like, oh, okay. So who's, who's the best offensive player that you went against? Cause he was a linebacker and he was like uh, Adrian Peterson. And Ray was like, okay, holy cow. Okay. So that one clearly stands out. Who was the next best one? He was like, uh, Jamal Charles. And it was like, okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. Then he was like, okay, so who is your, who is your best teammate? And he was like, Indomitian Sue. And he was like, all right, well, I think we're done here. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, I will say, Bob, I'm, I'm the type of person where I always like to look to the future. So um, that, that's just me. So I don't really enjoy watching older stuff as much as I enjoy watching future guys come on in. Um, one thing that's really stuck out is Oregon's recruiting. So I'll leave you guys a thought on this, and this is just the NFL draft just being in the back of our minds here. There's a chance Oregon – there's a non-zero chance Oregon could have back-to-back number one overall picks with Panay, uh Sewell and their defensive end um, – name is escaping me right now. Kayvon but, Thibodeau. Yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau, who's just unbelievable. So just something to think about there. Not that's illegal. non-zero chance. Not illegal. It's um, going to be interesting to see who has the number one pick this year, though, with Trevor Lawrence yeah. or Fields or whatever happens there. Because whoever has the number, like, if it's, if, say, the Bengals, for example, and they don't need a quarterback because they have Burrow, they might trade out of that spot then and try to grab Sewell at, like, three or something. Well, here's the craziest thing. If the college football season was canceled and some of these guys would have been eligible for the NFL supplemental draft, um, which is you take, if you use your first-round draft pick, uh, you lose your first-round draft pick next year. I'm not sure in the order of that, but the Bengals could have took a guy like uh, Panay Sewell, and he could have played this year in the NFL. So something to think about. Yeah, I know they talked about like KJ Costello too, where like if Mississippi State oh. got canceled, that he would, could just go to that supplemental draft. But obviously, doesn't look like that now. So, all right, you guys have anything else? Oh, um, watch every Thursday. ESPN's doing a Throwback Thursday. Um, I think the week that we're releasing this, they're doing Ohio State versus Miami in 2002. I've actually never seen the replay of that game. Oh, um, so I'm actually excited. I was really young when that when I first watched that. Um, and I was actually rooting for Miami, Florida back in that day. So, wow, yeah, I so that's um, I'm interested to watch that game. I know we we did have the play where the final. The final play where Ken Dorsey is under pressure, we actually we still had that in our playbook um, when I was a senior. 
So um, I know that play because we talked about that one often. Yeah, let me say something there now. Joe's girlfriend is probably listening to this podcast because she actually graduated from the University of Miami. So that's probably a shameless plug. I'm not sure if I believe that. And as a Notre Dame fan, I have never rooted for uh, University of Miami in my life. So let's be clear. I can't believe that, Joe. You're going to watch this game for the first time like you've never said. Wow, that's crazy. It's going to be a whole different perspective. Yeah, well, Jake, I was I was seven years old in this game, and I grew up in a Notre Dame worshiping family. And who was good when I grew up, and who wasn't good? Notre Dame was bad. Ohio State was good. So who did Notre Dame people hate? Ohio State. It's just natural. So I was like, oh wow, I don't like Ohio State. Um, so that's a. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'll pick the the, the school with the cool uniforms and Willis McGahey. So you had a choice, Catholics or convicts, and you went to the dark side, huh? <laughs> I came back. We're going. It's all good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in for, to everybody. Uh, we are going to do – and, again, we'll talk about the schedule. We'll tweet it out. We maybe even put out a poll, like I was saying, to see which division, which conference we should start with, whatever. But we are going to start gearing up for that. And, again, we're going to do our season under over under win totals last just in case anything happens with the schedule and those numbers change or anything. So – we really are going to start geared up for that. And I think when we come back the next time it is going to be to do some uh, official preview. So guys, that stuff comes up really fast. It's just kind of crazy. Um, it, it, that won't be for a couple of weeks yet though. Like I said, we'll talk about it on Twitter. Give us a follow at power five cast. And I've been putting a ton of Twitter polls out there too, just for the upcoming season, you know, which quarterback would you rather have for the upcoming season? If you know, you were building a team, which receiver would you want as your number one, just all, all kinds of stuff like that, just to get people familiar with some of the new names and things like that across the different conferences and everything. So uh, yeah, we'll get into all that. We'll talk more about the formula that I created and everything, but uh, that'll be in the coming weeks. So Bobby Berger and Joe Berger, thanks so much for coming on guys. It's good talking about all this kind of stuff. It sounds like we are going to have some football, so I think we're all happy about that. Uh, but until next time, take care. I am Jake. We'll talk to you next time.